A Focus Summary of the First Half of Act Three of Cyrano de Bergerac The third act begins with Ragano wiping his eyes and telling Roxanne's duenna his woes. Lise ran away with her musketeer, his business was ruined, and Cyrano saved him from suicide. Roxanne and her duenna are on their way to hear a discourse on the tender passion, Victorian ideals about love. When Cyrano appears, trailed by two strolling musicians. Cyrano tells them that he won them in a wager over a fine point of grammar, and now he has a private orchestra for the day. But, irritated by their ineptitude, he has a better idea. He tells them to play for Montfleury, out of tune, and endlessly. He then tells them that he has come to inquire after their friend with the great soul, Christian. Roxanne gushes that he is beautiful and brilliant, and she loves him. He is more intellectual than Cyrano, even, and he writes more beautifully than any man she has ever known. She recites his letters rhapsodically from memory, and when Cyrano teasingly mocks them, she accuses him of being jealous of Christian's talent. She calls Christian a master, and with a hidden meaning only we see, Cyrano bows obligingly, saying, A master, if you will. The duenna then warns Roxanne that de Guiche is coming, and she tells Cyrano to hide, lest de Guiche learn her secret. De Guiche has come to tell her that he has been ordered to the front in the besieging of Arras. Roxanne is unmoved, until he says he is to lead the cadets, at which point she falls on the bench breathless, realizing that Christian's life will be on the line. She loses control of herself and gasps, never again to, when a woman cares, is that nothing? De Guiche is delighted, thinking himself the object of her distress. In desperation, she hastily hatches a plan. She reminds de Guiche of his desire to be revenged on Cyrano, and she tells him that the most effective way is to strike at his self-esteem. She suggests he leave the cadets behind. While he goes on to glory, they will be left in Paris to bite their nails. De Guiche is now overjoyed, seeing in this a sign of love. Her response, that perhaps it is, is the truth, or at least a half-truth. De Guiche resolves to withhold the order for the cadets, and given hope by Roxanne's little game, he tells her to meet for a secret rendezvous at the convent. Disguising her contempt, and instead making a pretense of modesty, fear of scandal, and a sense of duty as protest, she sends him off to war, so that she can love, in another half-truth ambiguity, one for whose sake I fear. Returning to Cyrano, Roxanne says that if Christian comes, he must ask him to wait. Cyrano then asks what is to be the theme of her conversation with Christian, and, swearing him to secrecy, she says that she will tell him to improvise, to speak of love in his own words. He thanks her, and she goes off. Christian then enters. Cyrano tells him he has their theme, and it is one with which Christian has the opportunity to surpass himself if he will bring his memory and learn his lines. 
that Christian has had enough. He has learned from Cyrano. He is no longer afraid, and he wants to speak for himself. Roxanne returns, and Christian, in a panic, begs Cyrano to stay. But Cyrano tells him he is on his own. As the two sit on a bench under the twilight, Roxanne invites him to tell her things. On his own, Christian can summon nothing more poetic than, I love you. Or, when pressed for more, I love you so. Or, when Roxanne pleads with him to say what he really feels, Your throat, if only I might kiss it. Apparently, he hasn't learned much. Christian admits he has grown absurd, and Roxanne tells him it displeases her as much as if he had grown ugly. She goes inside with Christian trailing her, and she shuts the door in his face. Cyrano enters and mockingly proclaims him a great success. Christian tells Cyrano he cannot live unless Roxanne loves him now, in this moment, and Cyrano, seeing the light in her window, is inspired with an idea. Christian will stand before her balcony while Cyrano stands beneath it, whispering to him the words he is to say. Cyrano throws gravel at her window, and she emerges, but when she sees it is Christian calling, she tells him to go away. But even his first words, or rather Cyrano's, transfix her, and she lingers to hear more. When it grows too difficult to deliver Christian his lines, Cyrano steps into the darkness and, posing as Christian, speaks to Roxanne himself. The sublime beauty of his declaration of love defies summary. I will recount a few highlights, but every line of it should be poured over, reveled in, and relished. I've read this play at least a dozen times, and on this reading I still caught new subtleties of meaning. First, he offers poetic justification for Christian's halting speech, saying that he, beneath her balcony, stood with heart wide open and waiting for her words as they swiftly fall, while his must slowly rise and find her small secret ear. He revels in his chance to speak to her for once unseen, under the cover of night, which has the power to make all things dimly beautiful. Safe within the shadows, guarded against her laughter, he can speak to her for the first time straight from his heart. This takes on a double meaning. It is he, Cyrano, who is speaking to her with his own voice but he is also speaking to her in a manner unscripted and free, without even the artifice of poetry. Rather than words carefully arranged like flowers in a bouquet, he will take all the words that blossom in his heart and fling them to her, armfuls of loose bloom. Rather than drinking stale honey out of tiny cups decorated with golden tracery, they will plunge and drink and drown in the great river of their love. There comes a time, he says, in the line that stopped me with tears in the recording, once, and God help those who pass that moment by, when beauty stands looking into the soul with grave, sweet eyes 
that sicken at pretty words. Her name is like a bell hung in his heart that rings through his veins. Her image is like a flood of sunshine that blinds him. He loves her beyond breath, beyond reason, beyond love's own power of loving. Roxanne says quietly, that is love. But, he says, love seeketh not his own. In words that she cannot comprehend, but that wrench our hearts, he says, dear, you may take my happiness to make you happier, even though you never knew I gave it to you. He revels in his love for her, even believing it will not be returned. Then he enjoys what is the closest he has ever come to the realization of his love in reality. He feels her trembling against the jasmine vine that descends from the balcony, and he kisses it wildly. Roxanne declares herself his, and Cyrano asks himself, What is death like, I wonder? I know everything else now. But he asks for one thing more, at which point Christian bursts from beneath the balcony, seizing his place again, and exclaims, One kiss!